listening to Good Morning, the podcast talking all things grief with honesty and humor. Welcome back to the Good Morning podcast. Wow, it feels like it's been a hot minute, doesn't it? It has been ages. It feels like a lifetime since we've been on this mic. We've got so much to catch up on, um, literally so much. But before we get stuck in, can we just talk about the fact that we have our book, our very own book in our hands right now. Dude, it feels so surreal. And I think, like, can we just take a moment? <laughs> Does it blow your mind that we've written a book? Like, yes. It, it absolutely blows mine. And I just, I don't know if it's sunk in yet, to be honest. I couldn't get over how thick it is. It is it's thick. It's, it a, is thick. it's a book, guys. It's a it's an actual book. Like Ben goes to me, Ben, my partner, he was like, um, how much can you talk about grief? Why is it so thick? I'm like, I know. <laughs> There's a lot to talk about. And it's weird because it's no longer like a butchered word document that's got like a million track changes. It is actually really bloody good. Like reading, because you know when you're so engrossed in something and you're so absorbed in the writing process actually having that time away from it and having it here to read now I'm like I'm really proud of us it is oh. really good and I cannot wait for other people to read it and for it to help other people because it is bloody brilliant if I do say so myself oh my god I know once I got past the imposter syndrome I'm actually like wow like we've written a book and I was reading it even last night because you know we said we're going to read it over the weekend did you read it I started reading I it last time. I'm like, oh my God, I can't put it down. <laughs> it's so weird that you can't put your own book down, even though, yeah, it's it's wild. No, it's such a good thing. And I tell you what, though, yeah. it is bittersweet. And I know we had this moment yeah. on Friday because we saw each other and we unboxed or, you know, unboxed the, the <laughs> book together. And then we did a photo shoot, didn't we? Which we'll oh, see soon. So special. But it was weird because it is bittersweet. Mm -hmm. Our mums are the reason that this book is in existence but they're the, like I really just want to be able to tell my mum because I've always wanted to write a book and she would be so thrilled but then I know that she's the reason that it exists in the first place and she knows like they both know thanks to Laurel and Jackson we know that but they basically made this happen so they know but it's, it's such a bittersweet feeling isn't it because it's like absolutely the one person that you want to tell you can't tell, but it's also you. This wouldn't be a thing if we hadn't gone through what we had gone through. So it's a very, it's a very surreal experience. But guys, we are literally weeks away from publication day here in Australia and New Zealand. We're so excited to bring this to you and the world. So quick recap: If you're in Australia and New Zealand, the book is published on the 28th of Feb. UK, Ireland, and Europe is 9th of March. North America is 2nd of May and you can find it on all major platforms, Amazon, Booktopia, Book Depository, and it's called Good Morning, Honest Conversations About Grief and Loss. I feel like we've got so much to catch up on and Im, we need to start this one with you because there's been a lot going on in your world. So tell us, how the hell are you and what has been happening? Wow, what a question. Um well, firstly, I got engaged, guys. You would have seen on our Instagram. Um, it was a whirlwind trip to Bali. Um, we went there for a couple of weeks with some friends. 
nothing went to plan. It kind of turned into a bit of a holiday from hell um, with some really beautiful moments mixed in between. Um, so yeah, pretty much at the start of the trip, Ben got dengue fever, which if you don't know, it's a mosquito borne virus and it's really serious. And um, he was really sick and we thought he had barley belly because he always gets barley belly when we're over there. So I was like, we'll just get a doctor in. We'll get you on the IV. You'll be fine in like 24 hours. So, so the doctor scary. came to the villa. So fucking scary. Um, but he was so ill. He was just like lying in bed. He couldn't really move. Couldn't stop going to the toilet. And um, yeah, so the doctors came, they put him on a droop. They started asking him questions. They're like, what are your symptoms? He's like, my legs are really achy. Like my body's aching. Like I've got a fever that we couldn't get down. And then they said, well, we want to like blood test you for dengue fever because a lot of the symptoms sound like that. And I am like, what, what is happening? And we already know that you have anxiety around health and illness. So this must've just been, your anxiety must've been through the roof at this moment, right? Absolutely through the roof. And I, but I, I was still thinking, nah, no way it's going to be a dengue fever. It's just barley belly. We'll be fine. Um, and then the blood test came back and it was like, yeah, you've got dengue fever. We're going to every day and te- test your blood because the, uh, what they call them? Thrombos- thrombocytes. I think that's the Indonesian way that they say it, but like your platelets drop. And when your platelets drop too low, it can be really, really serious. And so that's how they test you for dengue fever. So his platelets were dropping. So they had to come back every day to like keep checking his platelets to see whether they'd gone up and they'd go up a bit and drop again. So it was like, it was quite scary for some time. And we'd be up every hour with his fever, like, you know, 39, reaching 40, couldn't get them down. Like it was so scary. And like, I've got Layla here, we're in a foreign country. Um, We just don't know what's going to happen. Um, and a lot of people go to hospital really ill, but because I think we got onto it straight away, all you can do is like keep your fluids up when you have dengue fever. So we were just pumping him with the drips, like guava juice, water. And I think that was his saving grace. So he was meant to propose while he had dengue fever. So none of his plans went to plan, the poor guy. And then, um, yeah, he ended up doing it on the beach after a day at Potato Head, which was really lovely. And, like, my friends were there and Layla brought the ring to us and it was really emotional and I was really surprised. I did not expect it. So um, you have been no for seven years. No inkling that it was going to happen on this trip. Definitely not. I even, like, packed his bag when he was sick because we moved villas. Like, there was no ring he'd given it to my best friend who brought it over. There was this whole operation. Um, But yeah, so nothing went to plan for him. And I feel like really sorry for him. My sister said something really beautiful, which I think I've told you before, Sal, but she was like, it's not about the perfect moment. It's about making the moment perfect. I I feel like he did. Yeah. And he did a really good job at doing that. But then, you know, along came old mate grief. As soon as like that big moment had happened and you do the ring around to your family and friends. And then there's that one person who I really wanted to call who I couldn't to tell her the news. So grief certainly came on that trip with me. Um, but yeah, that was my big, big news. Other than that, I what else have I been doing? Oh my God. But also we need to tell listeners about a huge part of this story, which is the sign that you got. Which oh my is God. Yes. Pretty, she was with you. Oh yeah. Okay. This is the important thing to remember when you're having those down griefy moments and you're like, I can't can't call them. They'll never know they're missing out on this part of my life. Sal's right. I did have a big reminder that they're with us. And so with, with, um, when Ben was really sick, the doctors were amazing. They'd like WhatsApp you. So they were WhatsApping him his results and checking up on him all throughout the day. And, um, 
we were waiting on this like one day for the final big news to see whether his platelets had gone up. And honestly, we got this message and I have never been just so emotional. I was convulsing, crying so hard, snot dripping out of my nose because he he showed me the message and it was like, dear Mr. Benjamin, just to let you know, you're in the all clear, like you're past the critical phase. And he didn't notice at first, but I read it and it said like, doctor, like from Dr. Vanessa. And I was like, oh my God, it says like my mom's name. The message is like from my, from my mom and we're in Indonesia. And I'm sorry, but Vanessa is not an Indonesian name. Like maybe Ketut or Wayan and or you know but not Vanessa and I was absolutely bawling my eyes out because the whole time I was like I just want my mum to tell me that everything's going to be okay you know that thought that you always want you just want to know that things are going to be okay and she is the one that sent the friggin' message to tell us that everything was going to be okay it's wild absolutely wild like you say Vanessa is not a common name in Indonesia like like they'd also spelt it wrong. So I think that they maybe just use Western names to sign off, but it was like there was an extra N in there and nobody spells Vanessa like that. So I think it literally, they picked that name to send it to us. Like, oh, it was just so incredible. And then I just knew that she was there and she knew and she got him better and she was there for everything. So she knows we're engaged somehow. Yeah. <laughs> what, what a bloody trip. And I love that you got that sign from her. And your ring is beautiful. He's done really well. It's a rock and Thank half. you. He did do good. <laughs> he did good. Um, there was like a, a moment, and this is like we had a listener question come through on this, where when you go through these big milestones, and this is something you can probably relate to, Sal, but there's that feeling of like, you know, when people say, oh, my God, it was the best day of my life or like, you know, my wedding was the best day of my life. And I keep thinking to myself, I'm like, is it even possible to have the best day of my life now that mum's gone? Is like, has that ship sailed? Like the best day ship sailed? And it's something that I keep thinking about. It's like, are you ever going to have that opportunity to have like one of the best days of your life again without your loved one present? Um, and there was a, a question that came in from a listener as well. It was like, how do you find joy again when you feel like the best days of your life are already behind you? So maybe it's a question for you, Sal. I don't know, but is it possible to have a best day of your life again now that your loved one's gone? It's a really good it's question, really isn't question. it? It really is. I mean, mm. It does remind me of something that Claire Bibwell Smith said when we spoke to her, because we do get a lot of listeners asking about how they can navigate like life's big moments without their loved ones. So we get a lot of listeners saying, I'm getting married soon and I just don't know how I'm going to enjoy it because, you know, my dad's not here to walk me down the aisle or I've, you know, just had a baby and, you know, my mum's not here. Mm. And what she said is, when you know you've got a big, life moment coming up and you're struggling with the fact they won't be there she advised like to pre-grieve and to try and Mm. like take yourself there and really grieve because it makes that moment a little bit easier and I thought that was really sage advice I it's a really hard one to answer isn't it I mean for me getting the book deal was a huge huge life moment Mm. and it was so bittersweet And I felt so much joy in it. But then I also just wanted to call my mum because I know that she would know how much it meant. Mm. And so that did take a little bit of something out of it. So I think the jury's out on that one. I think you can still (laughs) experience joy. But it's always going to be tinged with that teeny bit of sadness. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I got married when mum was still alive. So I kind of 
feel like I can't quite answer the question of like life's big moments in terms of you know the big milestones like like weddings and having children Mm -hmm. but for me the book was kind of it was tinged a little bit yeah so true well I I think you can and I think this whole maybe the best day of my life like you know I think those sorts of feelings of joy are just in moments right it's just going to be in moments and we don't I don't have to look at it as like needing to have the best day of my life at my wedding day like it's fine I think I just need to stop thinking about that (laughs) but you know what we talk about this in the book as well like there are so Mm. many ways to include them in these moments and to honor them and make sure that they are with you and that they are represented in these big days in these big moments Mm. so I think that there's a way to to still feel that joy and to still have them as part of it Mm. by including them you know we know that they're still around and they live on in us so I I think there are ways to kind of make them feel like they're a part of the day as well yes and I also think focusing on trying to be really present in the moment too you know can really help with finding joy um and just yeah taking deep breaths and just being like okay this is I'm here I've got loved ones around me I've got friends around me and I'm just going to be right here in this moment and not thinking about you know two minutes ahead or what's happened behind you like try to be really present and I think that can help you find joy as well yeah enough about me um what's been going on in your world because there's a lot that's been happening for you too since the break yes um we bought an apartment which is super exciting (laughs) and and weirdly the apartment has uh, the word rose in it so that felt very poignant and a bit of a sign Um, absolutely my mum's name was rose is rose should I say um (laughs) but yeah you know what I actually had one of the best Christmases I've had ever and that feels really weird, but really good to say. And I think it's really important to share. Oh my God, was... You've just answered my question before, though. I was like, can you have like the best day? Like You just said you've had the best Christmas of your life ever. It was griefy, like, but it wasn't amazing. It wasn't as painful. And I think there were quite a few different factors that made it really good. I think my grief is a little bit different. So yeah. I missed my mom and I was thinking of her a lot and I, I felt sadness, but it wasn't all consuming. I felt, mm. we talked about this at the end of last season, but I felt ready to get into the festive spirit, which is the first time since she died that I'd really felt <laughs> any kind of festivity. I had some friends over from the UK, which was super special. I hadn't seen them for three years and it was just really nice to have that kind of like touch base with home. Um and yeah, we just did a lot of things that were fun and we just spent a lot of time with friends and it was just all about fun this Christmas. Something about there was- I love en- this for you. Yeah, there was just an energy shift and and then also I went on a retreat, which was really, really good. And I actually switched off for a while and you know, and listeners will know that's not easy for me. And I actually really took the time to just have a break and- and just really kind of decompress. And I went on a retreat and had like three days of complete solitude, which for me is absolute bliss. But when I was there, I had quite a few breakthroughs about my mum and how I connect with her. And I realized that what what really helps me lean into my grief and connect with my mum is like when I'm doing a meditation. 
for about 20, 30 mm. minutes when it's a really deep meditation. That's when the emotions seem to really come bursting through for me. Um, so that was a really good revelation and something that I've been trying to do more of. So I bought one of these, like, you know, those massive yoga, like block cushions. And I've been doing yes, some, like the bolsters. Yes, one of the bolsters. And I've <laughs> been doing a lot of their meditation in my own time just to kind of try and like get some of those griefy thoughts and feelings kind of really moving through me um and started a coach training course so training to be a, a coach a life coach so quite so a few, exciting yeah lots of things have been happening but um it was a really good Christmas break and I feel like I had a lot of happiness and a lot of fun and I missed my mum but the grief wasn't all consuming and I think that's important mm. to highlight to people like it can be okay sometimes you can have a good Christmas you can miss them but for me it definitely felt a lot less painful this year so I'm here for it and I feel really good about it and that's not to say that you know next Christmas won't be hard but this Christmas was it was was bearable and it was almost fun. I love this so much. And a big focus for you, Sal, has been really allowing yourself to like slow down and rest and recoup. So I'm just so, I'm so proud of you for like taking that time and reading your body and knowing what you needed, which was like a little trip away at the retreat for you. I'm, I'm very proud. Thanks, mate. May I add? <laughs> I, um, yeah, I felt like on the edge of burnout constantly last year. So yeah. I think it was something that I really, really needed. And and I feel like my energy has really been reset this year. And I've kind of been mm. practicing those boundaries and also just really like paying attention when I'm pushing myself. So yeah, big learning. You are glowing, glowing. I love it. And we actually wanted to do something a little bit different this episode. You know, writing the book has been a huge period of reflection for us both. And I think we've come a long way in our grief. And we thought we'd talk a little bit about that journey and we know there are some of you who are new around here. Um, so for a quick recap, we thought we'd read a little extract from our book to give you guys a flavor. Um, and it's about how we met. Sal, you want to take it away? Oh, okay. Little drum roll. <laughs> yeah, little teaser, guys. Guys, our first ever reading of the book right here, right now. <laughs> <clears throat> <laughs> how we got here. As we both navigated our grief, living in the same city, we wondered if what we were experiencing was normal or if we were going crazy, which we know is a common thought that many grievers have. We longed to connect with someone our age who was also in the thick of grief to ask them if they felt isolated too. We were desperate to know if anyone else felt completely wiped out with exhaustion, couldn't think straight or felt like a shell of their former self. We both yearned for somebody who could relate. And one June afternoon, not even a year into our loss, we found ourselves in a pub garden in Sydney, searching for support. We had no idea that a brief encounter, a grief support group would change our lives forever. And in the months that followed, we became fast friends. We instantly bonded over our shared experience of sudden loss and a mutual feeling of loneliness. We also have a lot in common and not just dead mums. We laughed at the absurdity of the experience of yeah, great. Good. How's my first reading going? Nailed it. <laughs> Let me start from the top again, guys. Sal's got this in the bag. Um, we laughed at the absurdity of the experiences we had been through since our mums died. The grief brain, the forgetfulness, and what not to do when scattering your loved one's ashes. 
we discussed how little Western society talks about loss and wondered how many other grievers were sitting at home feeling alone in their grief too. It turns out a lot. Fueled by our experiences and a hope that we could help others feel less alone, we began the Good Morning Podcast. Our purpose is to create a space to talk about what grief is really like, telling it from the heart. Good Morning is your compassionate survival guide for all things to do with grief. It contains honesty, hope, and a little bit of humour. We all need an extra dose of that when the chips are down. It's the support group in a book that we wish we were handed when our mums died. And we hope that it can be your compass as you navigate your loss. We are real, truthful, a little bit sweary, and on a mission to take the loneliness out of this hugely uncomfortable yet universal human experience. It's time to rip up the rule book on how we're supposed to do grief and have more open and honest conversations about loss. Boom. Boom. <laughs> how Boom. good does that feel? Like reading from our book about oh my God. our friendship and our journey. Oh it feels so good. Guys, we really can't wait for you to read it. And um, yeah, we really hope that it helps and inspires you guys. And oh, it's just really nice revisiting how we met as well. I do remember like feeling so nervous that day and almost not going. And I know it was exactly the same for you, right? So nervous. Like I almost didn't go, but I, we spoke about this with Laurel and Jackson. Like we both felt a pull, like something was like, go, go, go. You need to go. And um, I was even at brunch with my two best friends beforehand. I'm like, they've both lost their dad as well. So it's almost like I have friends who've been through it, who I was sitting there getting support from in the morning, but still there was something like, you have to go, you, you need you know, you need to go. I still needed that something more, you know. I think there's just, even when you're supported by people, there's that loneliness of wanting to connect with someone who really understands what you're going through. And mm -hmm. I think we felt that connection, didn't we? Even though we didn't get a lot of time to talk at the meetup, you messaged me and then it just really quickly, really quickly kind of snowballed into a really deep connection. And I think it's not often that you meet somebody at, when you're in like the darkest depths of pain it's quite an unusual setting for like a friendship to grow, but I think it, it set really strong foundations for us, hasn't it? And I think there's an, yeah. actually a listener's asked, how do you think your grief would look, um, look had you not met? And I think it would probably, I'd probably be really struggling, I think. And I think being, mm. meeting you and having that support and starting Good Morning for me has made things so much easier a because of our friendship first and foremost mm. and having that person that you can connect to but then also you're just a brilliant friend full stop and I think you have just been there for me and you just lift me up all the time oh I'm crying <laughs> I think like a perfect example to answer that question is like the other week and last weekend I had a really bad day um, had a bit of stuff going on behind the scenes and um, I had a huge grief sesh, which I haven't had for a while. And just in that moment, because it's coming up to three years for me, I feel like Sal is really one of the only people that I can reach out to in those dark moments because it has been so long since mum died. Like, and I feel like people have kind of moved on from hearing that. And there's not that many people that I could message and say, like, I'm having a really bad grief day, you know, mm -hmm. and then just understand and tell you exactly what you need to hear in that moment. And I think it would be really fucking lonely. Like, I think it would be really lonely if we hadn't met. Um, and good morning has been a huge 
positive focus for me um, personally. I have a lot of other stuff with my story that's really dark and heavy and just it's been such a light in in the darkness. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just been unbelievably helpful in so many ways. Um, and Shani DeVito has said, like, we'd love to know about how your friendship has developed too. You know, she said, my grief buddy saved my soul. So hearing about your journey would be really special. And um, I think Sal and I can both agree. Like, well, she's definitely saved my soul. (laughs) She's definitely saved my soul. And it just developed really quickly and it felt really natural. And I think we were both living kind of parallel lives up until we met each other. Yes. Like so many similarities and we touched on a lot of them, you know, throughout the, the podcast throughout other episodes but yeah we've been living parallel lives up until we met and it feels like fate like it actually feels like fate it definitely does and I feel like there are so many markers throughout our lives that are similar and even little things like you know the other day we did a photo shoot we were getting changed in my spare room and we both have these tattoos that we got done when we were 15 and they're really awful (laughs) off Um, the wall off the the wall wall. in the fucking tattoo parlor like, bearing in mind, you were in Sydney and I was in Coventry in the yeah. UK. Other side same of the ages. world. Same age. We both got asked for ID, didn't have any. They did it anyway. Just, like, literally picked one off the wall, like, in a similar spot as well. It's just little things like that. that you're like, this is weird. Like, it's just strange. But I would say one thing about our friendship and how it's developed is we've both gone through a really deep period of personal growth and Mm. learning a lot about ourselves and our grief has really shown us where we need to what we need to work on so for example things like boundaries I think we've both taught each other a lot as well our friendship it's been really Mm. healing but we've also shown each other a lot if that makes sense absolutely and I think we've both been there to champion each other's personal growth yeah we've been through so much together like you know starting good morning was huge, but writing a book with someone is huge. Like we, I feel like I know you in and out, like, and I feel like, you know, me in and out too, better than some of my lifelong friends. Like, totally. you know, there were times when we were literally talking every single day on zoom and like messaging every five seconds. Like we still do. We have that joke now when we're like, when we're saying goodbye to each other, I'll talk to you in, talk to you in five. Because <laughs> we just are constantly talking to each other. Sometimes I'll go through our WhatsApp messages and I'll need to find something. And I'm like, this is a fucking joke. Like it's literally 10 days. I just word search. I just word search. I don't even bother scrolling. It's too much. There's like, it's constant. I'm like, I can't find it because there's just too much in here. It's like, what the fuck? of us crying. I love it though. I love it. And I wouldn't change it for the world. And I'm so grateful for you and meeting you. It's just been a game changer. Me too. And you know what? I actually went back and listened to our very first episodes the other day oh um, my god I just, did you oh <laughs> cringe oh my god it I was have not so listened. cringe it was so fucking cringe mainly the intros I was like we're like welcome to good morning a podcast on a mission to change the way we talk I don't even know what we said but it was so cringe <laughs> oh my god do you remember do you remember when we actually like first <laughs> Read, we were first recording the pod. We read like word for word off a script, and it was awful. And then we record. Then we we did an episode, and it was great. But we forgot to press record. Like, oh, oh my god, so good. that was probably one of our best. <laughs> it was actually oh one of our god. best. We were like, oh fuck, we haven't. Pressed no, it record. really was. <laughs> but like listening back to that to our episodes, it is wild to see how far we've come. Like not only in our friendship, but like in our grief 
you know, like but from back then when we hit record in your lounge room, it just feels like a lifetime ago and it's bloody amazing to see how far we have come and yeah, the intros. Oh guys, just, we apologize for how cringe it fucking is if you go back and listen now. <laughs> My husband last night. We promised was, to never be so cringe. He was like, you, have you guys like taken a step back? Like you've written a book, like, have you just taken a step back to, to think about everything that you've achieved? Like, it's amazing. And I think sometimes you and yeah, I we're not are good just, at doing that. We're not, we're not good at doing that, but I am really proud of us. And I think, you know, from when we used to like sit in my bedroom on my tiny desk and like cram ourselves <laughs> in and record a podcast to where we are yeah. now, it's uh yeah, we've come a long way. So yeah, it's, it's Listeners been an amazing like, yeah, journey. Yeah, we get it, girls. Great, you wrote a book. Fucking move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you mentioned earlier, but you are coming into the third anniversary of your mum's suicide. Like, how are you feeling? And how mm-hmm. are you feeling in comparison to where you were a few years ago to where you are now? Wow. Just complete, a completely different space. Um, for me, I think what I've identified is the trauma element of my loss mm-hmm. was just so great. Like I was so traumatized. Um, I ruminated constantly. I couldn't think of anything else other than the fact that my mum was dead. Um, I really could not see how I was going to survive and live a normal life after what had happened. And I really like, I thought that it was just going to define me for the rest of my life. I have done a lot of work on my trauma. I've done like breath work, like loads of meditation. I t- I've taken up running. It's like a huge form of my therapy now. Um, journaling. Like I've pulled out all the stops. I'm trying to do whatever I could to make myself feel better. And to be honest, I think out of a lot of them, doing breath work with Rebecca Jacks has been one of the top things that has helped me in my grief and like well, with the trauma element of it and, and removing that trauma from my body. I can honestly sit here and say, I don't feel like I live in a state of fight or flight anymore. But I think I was living in that state even prior to my mum dying because I had an anxiety disorder and I had a really complicated like upbringing and lots of shit happened in my life. And I think that I was just living in that state since I was probably about 17 years old. And having gone through all the work that I have, I I am not in that place anymore and I feel heaps better. So the trauma for me was the hardest part. And I've actually healed a lot of that, which is amazing for me. And to be able to sit here and say that, like, I've come a fucking long way. And I just want anyone else listening who is in that early early stages of your loss and you're traumatised, like, it is possible to, you know, go beyond surviving. I remember when I first met you, you were a completely different person. Mm. Just you were so traumatised and so in such a dark place. And then when yeah. we started doing Good Morning, I felt like you started to come out of that space a little bit. But like you say, the work that you've done, the breath work, you've really lent into the things that will help you. And to mm. look at you now and where you were and everything that you've been through, I think it's amazing. Sal, I want to know from you, like, what is one thing that you miss most about your mum? Do you know what? I think for me, it's having that one person you that you can talk to about anything and Mm. that has absolutely no judgment. And I know you are that for me as well, Im, very much so you play that role. But 
my mum knew me better than I know myself. And actually about six months before she died, my husband and I were trying for a baby and I had a miscarriage when she was here. And mm. um, it was it was awful, but she was here and she was so supportive. And then after that, I started really exploring like whether it was right for me and whether I actually wanted to have a baby or I was just doing it because I thought it was the next thing that you do after you've been married for a few years. And we were exploring that together. Like I was asking her, like, do you think you were maternal? You know, she was like, not really, to be honest. We we had kids because everyone else was doing it. And she's super, super honest with me. And she kind of, she was making, like, she she said to me, do you, you know, do you really think that you want this? Like, think about how your life will change. Like, and we were exploring it together. And I think she she was encouraging me to question it and to be open and it took a few years of real soul searching um, after she died for me to get to the place where I'm like, you know, what? I actually don't think this this is for me. Mm. And that's been really hard because going against what society expects, but also what a lot of people around you are doing is not easy. But for me, I've made the decision that it isn't for me. And I really missed having my mum around to talk to her about that because she was really helping me move through and come to a decision there. And then she was gone just as we were really exploring it. And and then, you know, you know, your mum knows you better than you know mm. yourself. Um, and I remember weirdly when I was going to university, my dad dropped me off at the halls of residence. Like my first day of uni, I was so excited. And he said this random thing, like, I don't think you'll ever get married or have kids. I was like, thanks, dad. What a thing to say when I'm like, oh, yeah, starting uni. but I, it came, I, it, I don't think it came from like a place of it just your parents know you, don't they? And they just mm. know you better than you know yourself. And and my mum really encouraged me to think openly about my decisions. And, and, and that was really hard making that decision without her around. So I miss that element I mean there's so much that I miss about her but I do miss mm. that being able to talk to her about anything and having her not judge me because it is a decision when you decide not to have kids that you can feel quite judged around yeah I it is such a huge decision that's been going on in the background for you Sal and I know how hard it's been not having your mum there for that and yeah for anyone listening who else is you know who's going through that I don't think it's a topic that's discussed enough you know, no. and I think there is a lot of judgment and it's one of those things that people always ask you like, oh, when are you guys going to have a kid? It's like, it's fucking rude to ask people that because you never know what people are going through, you know, and you just like, let's stop asking that sort of thing. Totally. And it's, yeah, it's been a really yeah. hard, a hard decision to get to that place. Um, so I miss that about her. There's so many things I miss, but I do really miss that about her as well. Yeah. And what is one thing that you would tell your mum right now, if you could? I would tell her that I'm living her final wish for me, which is helping others. And oh my God, yes. regular listeners of the pod will know that my mum sent me, her final message to me was that um, her wish for me was to do something that would help others. We discussed it in our last episode, didn't we, around surviving Christmas. So definitely listen to that one yeah. because we talk about it a bit more and I won't go into too much detail again, but I am I am fulfilling her final wish. and And also that I've done something that I've always dreamed of a massive like life goal, which is writing a book. What about you, Im? Um, I think for me, I would tell her that everything that I'm doing now is for her 
like the person who I am now is because of everything that she taught me. Like I actually had the most beautiful message from someone who I used to study with the other day, Ellie. Um, she shared our book on her stories and she wrote a little message on there. She'd met my mom a handful of times and my mom is the type of person that like when you meet her, she'll make a real impact on you. Even if it's like a fleeting, like, you know, meeting and you could never forget her. And so Ellie had written this thing and I'm going to read it out. It was just so beautiful and maybe bore my eyes out. She said, my friend Imogen has created something incredible from her immense pain from losing her mum to suicide. Vanessa was such a special woman. I'm going to cry. Fucking hell. <laughs> Vanessa was such a special woman who always showed me deep kindness. And even through the smallest conversation held space for me in my own grief when my dad died. The woman that Im is today is because of the woman that Vanessa was. Oh, and I just like made me lose her because she was like, she was that person who would hold your space. You know, she was that rare angel on earth that like would always validate your feelings. And who, no matter who you were, like we were laughing about this the other day, Sal, how I, I had like my first ever boyfriend and he was a kind of bad boy. And he like went to court, for, like getting into fights. And like my mom went to court to support him and then offered for him to do community service at her work. <laughs> like she was just... <laughs> She was incredible. But yeah, so that's what I tell her. I'm like, I just want her to know that like everything that I'm doing and am is because of her. Oh, um, it's, I mean, what a beautiful message and it's testament to her. She sounds like she was just an absolutely incredible woman. I just, I wish I could have met her, but then I know, I know that we're connected. In what is the one thing that you go back and tell yourself about in the early months of loss? I think the one thing that I was really obsessed about in my early grief was like, will I ever wake up and it won't be that first thought in my head? And that's something we asked Stepha when we interviewed her as well, Stepha Doyle, whose mum also died by suicide. And I really needed to know that. So I think I would go back and tell myself, yes, one day you will wake up and it won't be the first thought that hits you. It's a really simple thing, but that's something that I think I really needed to hear back then. Um, yeah, you do. You wake up and you kind of like life resumes and things happen and you start thinking about other things as well in the mix. So yeah, for me, that was a big one. What surprised you most about grief, Sal? Oh, hundred percent. The thing that surprised me the most was the absolute exhaustion. And I know we've got a whole chapter about this in the book where we explore all the physical elements of grief, but I literally remember there were days when I'd had like 10 hours sleep and I get out of bed and I'd feel like I've been on an absolute bender and I'd just be lying on the sofa. <laughs> what is going on? I felt like a dead weight. And you don't realize yes. that it's grief or not everyone knows that it's grief. And for me, I was like, what is happening? Why am I so exhausted? Like all I've done is sleep. And now I feel like I literally can't move that, that took me by surprise. And again, doing the work through good morning has really helped me learn that all of the elements that come with grief, which you talk about in the book, but that was a massive one for me. What about you, Im? Um, yeah, I think the like grief brain, like the brain fog, like forgetting everything, not being able to think straight, like that was crazy. And that lasted for so long. And like Sal said, like we have a whole chapter dedicated to all of these things in the book, guys. So yeah, definitely get your hands on a copy because we talk about all of the things and what what you can do to help yourself too with these awful feelings of grief. Um, you, another thing we talk about in the book is loneliness. Hey, okay? I was going to say what you would be say? like seven packets of cheese or something. 
oh my God, I kept buying like the same packets of cheese and like didn't realize I already had them in the fridge unopened and you walking out of the house with different colored Birkenstocks on. (laughs) Maybe it's a new trend. (laughs) Yeah, but that was not fun. I feel like I still, sometimes I still get it. Ben's like, you can't keep like blaming your grief. I'm like, why not? I will forever. (laughs) The grief card. But you know what? When When we've done episodes on grief brain or we've talked about it on our social channels, it's the one thing that people go, oh, I actually did not know that grief Mm -hmm. was a thing. I just thought I completely changed. My brain had been rewired, but a lot of people don't realize that grief brain is a thing. So if you're listening to this and you're like, what? Oh my God, I can't remember anything. Like, I feel like I'm in a daze. (laughs) Who am I? Go back and listen to some of our episodes around grief brain, because hopefully they might shed some light on what it is and how you can help yourself. Because a lot of people are like, oh, that's a thing. It is absolutely a bloody thing definitely and another big topic in our book is loneliness guys and it's one of the reasons why we met and changing relationships is a big part of grief and our story and we have a listener question here on this topic that came in um ellen says why do you think people lose friends after the passing of a loved one and ting meng has said what do you now seek in a friendship after everything you've gone through they're good questions i think the first one like people lose friends after the passing of loved one is because people don't really know how to cope with death and they don't really know how to support people very well. Um, And so they often don't say the right things and they often don't do the right things and then slowly back away because it's all too hard, right? Because they don't like seeing people upset and they don't know how to fix it. And death is one of those things that cannot be fixed. Um, Do you have any input there, Sal? Do you kind of agree? I think people people don't like being faced with their own mortality and they mm. they just shy away because A, we're not taught about how to talk about death in our society. And also it just makes people so uncomfortable that they just, yeah, like you say, they just shy away. They don't know what to say. And in turn, mm. we feel completely unsupported. And I think also to answer um, Ting's question, what do you seek in a friendship now after everything you've gone through? Well, I think grief does make us reassess our friendships because when people don't show up or the people that we think are going to be there aren't. And sometimes the people that we least expect are, it shines a light on your relationships. And I think also when we're grieving, we don't really have that much capacity for like multiple friendships or to connect with everybody on a deeper level. It can be bloody exhausting and trying to Mm -hmm. forge connections that aren't really serving us can be really hard And so I think sometimes we have a bit of a friendship cleanup. I know for me, grief has made me much stricter, strict, it's the wrong word, but it's made me really picky with who I'm friends with. And it's made me reassess a lot of my friendships. I do not have time for surface level friendships. I, my circle is intentionally smaller and I am good with that. And actually, do you remember, Im, a listener wrote into us when we did an episode on grief and friendships? Again, guys, if you haven't listened to that, give it a go because it's a really, really good episode and it talks all about kind of feeling lonely and how to navigate changing friendships. But somebody wrote in and said that for them, they see grief as a new season of friendships. And I thought that was a really good way to put it. Like sometimes a big loss does make you welcome in a different type of friend and a friend that is right for you in this kind of new phase of your life. So you look for different things, maybe different qualities in friends as well. 
Absolutely. All of those things. And I think as well, boundaries has been a big one for us too. And a lot of people don't like boundaries. They don't like it when people put up boundaries. So that can change dynamics of friendships too. But boundaries are super important when you're grieving. Like it's crucial to now put yourself first and your needs first because it's a lot going on. Absolutely. And we've got an episode this season, haven't we, around boundaries and people pleasing. And it's going to be a really good one. Because I think when we're grieving, we we do need to put some boundaries up, but it can be really hard to know how to do that. And people do tend to, you know, sometimes fall away because they don't like this new version of ourselves. So anyway, listen to that episode, but yeah, so many reasons. But if you are experiencing changing friendships, know that you're not alone. It's actually one of the most common things we hear, isn't it, in from our community? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, And before we wrap it up, we have a few more listener questions here that we'd really like to answer. We haven't been able to get through all of them because there were quite a few, but um, Amanda has written in and said, have you ever felt like you couldn't go on to have children without your mum being here? Um, This is a very, very common feeling to have, common experience. Um, For me, absolutely. It's something that I struggle with when I think about whether or not I want to have a second child or not. Um, I know I've spoken about this a lot with Sal in private, but it's a it's a big question mark for me. Um, I I don't feel like I have enough support, and the thought of being bringing in a human into the world that will never have met my mum or even get a photo with her is like so painful. So yeah, I think about that a lot. Um, but then I also come back to our really beautiful episode with Joe Zamet, who had she was just found out she was pregnant right before right when her mum died suddenly and then she's gone on to have two more beautiful children and she carries her mum with her everywhere she goes and her mum you know was there guiding her throughout the whole process of her um, birth and yeah raising her children so I think there are ways to bring them along the journey with you if you do and I think we're actually a lot more resilient than we give ourselves credit as well I think the thought of it can be so overwhelming but I think when you're doing it you just do it you know Mm -hmm. you just make it work and it will be hard but it's just one of those things so yeah it is something that I I grapple with a lot and I don't know I haven't made that decision yet whether I do want a second child or not it's something that I think about often so stand by on that one it's been something that we've really explored together, haven't we? And we've both like yeah. been talking about about it, you know, behind the scenes. It's a really big decision and it's um Yeah. It's a big one. And I know it's something that you've been thinking about a lot. So Yeah. And yeah, I feel like I'm not like I'm getting older too, you know. And what what I do and it's one of those things that I I know that I have asked my mum this before because my mum had two kids and I think she would have been happy with one but I remember her saying to me she's like with one kid you know you've got so much more freedom you can travel overseas and things are just easier so I always have that at the back of my head that I feel like mum has already answered that question for me whether she thinks I should have another kid (laughs) but yeah it's it's a it's a really tricky one um but I think if you are wanting to kids can also bring in a huge amount of joy into your life as well. So that's just my two cents on that topic. Absolutely. Um, and, and also really quickly on that topic, do you remember when we spoke to Hope Edelman and, and we were talking about the decision to whether whether to have another kid or to have a kid without your mum? And she talked about having building that family and that support network and building those people who will be there for you like your mum was and creating that yes. intentional support before you decide to have a baby or to have another baby. Um, so to this listener who asked this question, definitely go back and listen to our episode with Hope Edelman because 
she shed some really interesting light around that topic and it might be helpful for you we've got a question here last one guys what are the top five episodes to start with if you've just experienced a loss i think i would say the top five are megan divine um our interview with dr lisa shulman around grief brain even though we said they're a little bit cringy probably gonna- most downloaded Yes. That's yeah. our most downloaded ever. Like we were so like, not surprised because it is such a big topic, but like, yeah, the grief brain episode has been our most downloaded to episode. So definitely go and check that one out if you haven't. Super educational. And even though we were just saying our, our episodes are a bit cringy, definitely go back and listen <laughs> to our stories. Um, just skip through the intro guys. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till we warm up. Like it was hard. Um, and then I'd say, and, uh, our discussion with Claire Bidwell-Smith around anxiety and also our conversation with David Kessler. These are some of the like biggest grief experts and they do shed light on how grief impacts us. So if you are new in your lost journey and grappling with grief, they are definitely really helpful. Yeah, I, I'd agree with those ones. And also, if you are in the depths of your loss, like if you're in the really early stages of your loss and you're just wondering like, what's the meaning of it all? What's the point of all of this? How am I going to like survive without them? You may find comfort in our spiritual content as well. So our um, episodes with our NDE survivors, with Bruce Grayson, who has studied near-death experiences. And like we talk about what actually happens to us after we die. And our episode with Laura Lynn Jackson is an absolute must. But if you're not ready for, you know, hearing the spiritual side of things yet, we understand, but it can also be really helpful and bring a lot of comfort. And we know a lot, a lot of our listeners as well, love those ones as well. Um, so guys, I have really loved being back on the mic. I was a bit nervous at first. I was like, it's been so long, but I've really enjoyed this. And as always, I love chatting with you, Sal, about all things grief. And yeah. It's been so good to get back in your ear holes, guys, and to be back on the mic with you, Im. And we've got so much lined up for this season. We've got some amazing guests. And don't forget, one more plug for the book. You can pre-order <laughs> Good Morning, Honest Conversations About Grief and Loss in the links in this show notes all the links in our bio pre-orders do really support new authors like us and we massively appreciate your support guys and we just yeah we appreciate you all so stay tuned for an amazing season and we love you all and we will be back in your ears very soon bye for now 